0: Hello one and all and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director or genre and tell you, our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Steffield, I am your host and I'm so excited to welcome you guys to this week's episode of Film Fragments where we're gonna be talking about our favorite films from Darren Aronofsky. And I'm so excited to welcome Kenzie Venunu from Oscar Central to talk to me about Darren Aronofsky. Hi Kenzie, how you doing today?
1: Hi, I'm so good, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you about Darren Aronofsky. So I'm trying to think of a really good curveball question. Okay, this is (laughs) going to be a very weird question. And I don't know if you have an answer, but any answer is totally fine with me. If you could take one character from a Darren Aronofsky movie out to dinner, guy or girl, who would you take?
1: I Okay, I don't remember his character's name, but um, Vincent Castle's character, Black Swan. Oh, I... Thomas. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. He is so aggressive, but, like, soft at the same time. And I just feel like if I could pour some wine on him, he would be hilarious. But I also feel like maybe I'd be uncomfortable with the way he'd, like, talk to servers. But I don't know. I feel like he's probably the most successful out of all his characters, which is probably not a good thing. But, you know, (laughs) it would be fun.
0: So going off that, I am actually going to, because I'm someone that likes to have a really good time at dinner, whether it's eating good food or drinking a lot of drinks, I'm going to go with Lily from Black Swan, Mila Kunis' character. She's nuts. She's wild, but she seems like the life of the party, and I could use the life of the party every so often. And, yeah, that's who I would pick.
1: That's actually a really good pick. Yeah, that, that's a better pick. I went for, like, the hothead. But, like, that, that's more fun.
0: Here's your burger. Bloody. Oh, my God. Just... <laughs> oh.
1: She might drug you, but, like, it might be fun. You never know. It,
0: it might be fun. It, it might. It <laughs> might be
1: fun. Might.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, going off about you um talk a little bit about yourself what you do with oscar central and talk about what got you into film why do you love film so much
1: so my parents actually are really big movie people um i was very young i was like six and my parents were watching the exorcist (laughs) and i was like i want to watch this um And that was really, like, what got me into movies, specifically horror films. I was always way more into horror than any other genre, but I became obsessed. I bought all these books about the making of The Exorcist. I was obsessed. I asked my dad what other movies the director had made. It was my first interest in directors. Like, I was so into it. And then um, my parents were really cautious about what I could watch, but like at the same time, let me kind of watch whatever I wanted. Um, But I grew up like going to the Angelica Theater in Dallas off Mockingbird, if anyone is listening from Dallas. But I loved movies so much. And I was also, um, like I work in fashion and I was always into red carpet dresses. So the Oscars were like everything to me. I was obsessed. And um, so, like, I remember being explained that liking movies is very different than being into the Oscars, that that's more of stats and more of just, like, figuring out what people in the Academy likes versus just, like, what someone at home likes. And I was very confused by that. And it took me years to figure it out. But that's kind of why we started Oscar Central was it's not so much about reviews as just like predicting what's gonna happen and that's something I'm much more interested in than reviews because I like we're talking about Darren Aronofsky I like movies that are not like critically loved and not in a sense like blockbusters like just really weird movies um so that's why I didn't want to do something with like reviews because I don't really like tend to like movies that ever not in like a I'm so cool way but I just like I tend to go the other way with movies so I just wanted something where we focus on predictions just because I feel like that is so much different than enjoying movies and then I can keep watching weird movies and not have to be like the Norseman's getting five Oscar nominations <laughs> like I yeah so that's what we do and, and it's really exciting and it, like it's literally like the start of fall festival season. And I feel like we've done so much already, but I'm terrified for the next few months. Now that all these movies are finally coming out and we can see them. So it will be crazy.
0: It will absolutely be crazy. And going into someone crazy, Darren Aronofsky. Our man. Why do you love this guy so much? And even though he is one of the most polarizing filmmakers we have working today, why do you think a lot of people run out to go see his stuff? I mean, yeah, his films may not be huge financial successors, but his film attracts a lot of people. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think a lot of people love Darren Aronofsky so much?
1: So when I my first introduction to him was Rec Room for a Dream. And I feel like the only reason I saw it was because there was some my friend's sister, she was a few years older than us, was like, this movie messed me up, man. And then that's just how Requiem for a Dream like spread through my high school, and, like my middle school was people being like traumatized by it, but thinking it was so cool and edgy. And I do feel like once I was older and I rewatched it, I got past it being like, it's not just like shock value. I feel like he puts so much into the making of his movies and his partnership with Matthew Lebatique and a lot of other people he works with repeatedly, I just feel like his movies are so meticulous. And he is one of those people when he does a press tour, I'm like, please shove your giant scarf into your mouth and stop talking. But he is just so engulfed by the movies he makes. And I love movies that you can feel that someone put like every ounce of their like, body and soul into making and I feel like that's why people flock to his movies is because he lets his movie making consume him and that's probably why he is so insane on press tours because he spent his like years putting everything into a movie and then it finally comes out and all he wants to do is like clarify people's like mistakings with it but I just feel that You can feel his passion throughout the movie, even if you don't like it or it doesn't work for you. And I feel like that's why people are always going to be like excited for the next Aronofsky movie. And I'm really sorry he had to go into hiding post-mother. But like, I can't wait for this movie, even though I'm terrified for what he will say about it in a press tour, given the context of the movie. But, and I also just feel like he pulls out incredible performances from actors you may not think about performing in that way and he does so much with ensembles but also character studies and I feel like it is just really hard to find that a director that can do such varied work like that but I also feel like he has like a stamp like you know you're watching an Aronofsky movie when you're watching one and I feel like people are always going to go to flock to see a director's movie like that, where you can like feel their stamp on the
0: movie. 100% agree with you on that. I do like how he focuses a lot on these character studies, even though a lot of these movies are psychologically messed up. Like They leave a very interesting impact on you, whether it's one that you think about. You're like, did I understand what was going on? Am I too stupid to understand what he was trying to convey to us? But he's one of those filmmakers that does have a unique style that he stands out from pretty much all the other filmmakers working today. I like that he takes his time releasing films. I, don't, I like that he doesn't release like one every year. It's like every maybe two to three years. And in this case, it's been five years since his last movie. I like that he takes his time releasing these films. And I also like how he tries something different each and every time he could go from doing something very intimate to something very bombastic to something a lot smaller and then something more grand. Like he is one of those filmmakers that tackles so many different genres also into one project. And that's what I love about the guy. And yeah, I mean, you shouted out his frequent DP, uh, Matt Libetique, and he is on a whole other level. He's incredible. I mean, very versatile, lineup i mean he went to shoot your least favorite film of all time the star is born and then he shot the best film of 2018 venom so very <laughs> wide range of he's work literally
1: <laughs> everywhere i'm like do he is sleep
0: don't worry darling and now he has the whale and it's like dude slow the fuck down like calm it's down <laughs> so
1: crazy putting everyone else to shame with their work ethic it's crazy <laughs>
0: literally <laughs> literally but i'm very excited to talk about darren he's Divided so many people throughout the years, pretty much ever since he started making films almost 25 years ago. And I get excited, like you said, anytime he has a new project coming out, I'm always curious to see what he has. And something else that I love about him is that something about certain directors, I'm not going to say names. And this isn't a problem, but it's something that I appreciate Darren for not doing. Every single one of Darren's films has a different lead. When you watch a film from a certain filmmaker or filmmakers, they always have the same actors leading their films. Like, listen, we love Scorsese. We just talked about him on the last episode. We love Leo. We love De Niro. But every once in a while, it would be nice if his lead wasn't one of those two people. I'm just saying. My favorite
1: favorite Scorsese movie is Silence and it's all new actors for him and I'm like yeah because you get to see these beautiful performances he drew out of new actors and that's so exciting and I feel like especially with Scorsese who's getting older I'm like there are so many actors I want to see you work with like yeah like come on like work
0: (laughs) like come on work with I don't know, work with Florence Pugh or something. Like, come like on. Like The Lord. reason
1: I'm so excited for Killers of Flower Moon is the Jesse Plemons of it all, the Lily Gladstone of it all. And it's like, I know I'm excited that Leo and Bob are in it, but I'm also like, Jesse Plemons and Lily, like, come on.
0: And like, Brendan Fraser.
1: And Brendan Fraser. But I do think that's like a huge point to bring up with Darren is he is really great about... um not discovering new talent but just like rediscovering people we kind of like crossed off like famously Winona Ryder and Black Swan who was shut out of the industry for shoplifting um literally shoplifting what (laughs) um beautiful performance that not only has so much to say about Winona Ryder and how she was being perceived in the media at the time but like she's a great actress and like look at her on stranger things like the like so famous again and i'm like but he kind of brought her back to the forefront of yeah and same thing now with um brennan frazier he's kind of been i mean he made a comeback a few years ago with that fx show truth but like this is his first leading role in a major movie in years
0: yeah and, like probably like at least 10 years he hasn't led yeah. a film in really forever i mean honestly probably since i was a kid he hasn't
1: yeah
0: led a film like i don't know the last time he might have led a film and i could be so wrong with this is maybe (laughs) journey to the center of the earth or the mummy three i i don't i remember going to see those as a kid and i i haven't seen him in the leading role since and i'm it's just so exciting and we'll talk more about the whale Later on in the episode, our anticipation for it will definitely, this was just a tease for that, but (laughs) we'll definitely touch upon it more in this episode. So I'm so excited to hear your list, Kenzie. I cannot wait to see what you put in the top five. I don't know where it's going to go. I, as I told you off camera, I might have an idea, but I don't want to say I have an idea. and Then I'm completely <laughs> wrong, although I like to be wrong because when I'm right, it's too predictable. So we'll see what happens. So the way this is going to work, everyone, is that we're going to go through our five through one. Now, if Kenzie has a film at her number five and it's higher on my list, I'm going to say pass after she talks about it. Same goes for her. So, Kenzie, important question. What is your number five favorite Darren Aronofsky film of all time?
1: Okay, every time I say this, People get so mad at me that it is so low, but it's Requiem for a Dream. I It was my first film I saw of his, and I do love it so much. It is obviously very hard to rewatch, but it is just a masterclass in screenwriting and directing, the editing. Everything about this film is so stunning, but it's also like... Horrifying to look at, but the performances are just out of this world, and I cannot believe I'm saying that about something Jared Leto's in. But I, or
0: Marlon Wayans,
1: <laughs> he's so good in it. I, he, he is, he I is. am desperate for him to work with someone like that again because he, I, it's, I never re-watch this film, it is so hard to rewatch. It's probably like the least rewatchable movie that I have in my top 50 of all time but it is just I it's it's so crazy it's like work to watch because I'm so stressed out by watching it but I do think it's just such a incredible film about greed and about just what you do to survive and like addiction and just so many things and it's crazy for someone to tackle so many kinds of topics but like They all come together. And I also just, I feel like you don't get that many movies that tackle different types of addiction, but like doing a great job at blending it together. Right. And I just, because people say addiction and people only think of like drugs or alcohol, but there are so many types of addiction. Mm -hmm. And then this movie being not that old, but it's an older movie. And I just feel like it was a little ahead of people in popular media talking about other kinds of addiction and in general, just like showing drug addiction in a way like this. But I just, this is, it's, all of his movies are kind of like fever dreams, obviously, but this one, I just feel like, you know, when you watch something and it makes you feel like consumed, like you are just like in another dimension, that is what this movie does. And that is why it is so hard to rewatch but it's also just so well done. I think like no matter how many movies he has come out, this will always be like in my top five just because it is such a defining piece of movie making, but it's just not my favorite, but I love it so much. And also Jennifer Connelly, just put her in every movie imaginable. I'm really not a big Top Gun Maverick fan, but I'm really excited that the conversation about her is back and how beautiful she is. And how talented she is because she gave the best performance in Top Gun Maverick. And she didn't have to do that because her character had nothing written for her character. But um, she's just so magnetic in this movie that I cannot imagine what it was like to make this movie. I, like, I don't even want to know. Like I, I have no interest in knowing anything about behind the scenes of this movie. But like I, I love it so much. But it's definitely like, not his best. So that's why it's my number five
0: pass for me so my number five a lot of people consider this his worst film to date um which is interesting because i I don't like i don't think it's what you're thinking of don't worry it's not i don't think it's what you're thinking of my number five is the fountain which i just watched for the first time last night at the time of this recording And I told this to Kenzie off air. I am a massive and I'm talking hardcore, massive fan of Hugh Jackman. I love him so much. He seems like the sweetest man in the world. He is so gorgeous. And he's also a man of many different talents. He can act, he can sing, he can dance, he can do it all. I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. All I knew was that it had Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz, who I absolutely adore as well. I love her to pieces. She is incredible. Another person who has... Aged beautifully similar to Jennifer Connelly She still looks incredible But I don't think I still fully Comprehended everything that happened In this movie But what I can say is that I was left Feeling so broken at the end And that's the thing with pretty much all these Aronofsky films Like you feel like there might be Some glimmer of hope And then it, it then it just goes away So quickly <laughs> You're like okay we're, we're finally calm. We're finally relaxed. Something good's probably going to happen. Nope, never does. Never does. Never. And I mean, Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz showcase some of their best acting to date on screen here. Like, they're both marvelous together and separately. Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz are married. Rachel Weisz is sick and she's pretty much dying. And it's so devastating to watch. And these are two actors that whenever they cry... I can't help but cry with them. Like they just have this look to them where it's like, you cry with them. You see them cry, you cry with them. And Hugh Jackman, again, I know that you brought up that you're not a massive fan of him, but he's one of those actors that really, when he cries, it's hard to not cry with him because he's just so good at conveying that face.
1: that, um, That nice guy persona, that that's kind of why I'm not a big fan of him as an actor.
0: But right. Like you're saying,
1: if he cries, I'm crying. I don't care <laughs> about the context of what's going on. If right. He's crying, I'm crying. He's <laughs> like, too
0: nice. It's a beautiful performance, and I have to commend the visual effects here because they are absolutely incredible. Like incredible visual effects, beautiful imagery. And I wrote this on my letterbox review. I'm going to harken back to what I had said about the recent Marvel entry, Thor: Love and Thunder, more like Thor: Love and Poopy. Um, <laughs> That movie cost $250, $250 million, not $250, $250 (laughs) $250 million. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that movie cost whatever it cost to make. And you would think that they would pump out incredible visual work considering the amount of money they're given for it. This movie cost, I believe, less than $30 million. And obviously this movie came out, 15 16 years ago before visual effects have improved the visual effects here are loads better than a movie that cost more than 200 million dollars more than what this movie cost and that's saying a lot like you could pump out incredible visual work even if your budget is so small like look at X machina that movie cost i think like 20 million dollars to make And that film beat Mad Max Fury Road, which also had incredible visual effects and cost a lot more money for the Oscar. And we're not going on an Oscar talk here or anything, but I just wanted to bring up how this movie looks stunning and looks incredible. But all of Darren's films look great and a math liberty, just the power of him and the movie tackles grief so beautifully tackles loss very interestingly i like how there's three different timelines in this movie i think the juxtaposition of those three it could have been a little jarring at first for me but once the movie progressed and i started learning more about hugh jackman and rachel vice and then there was all these different stories going on it was a very fantastical epic you know magical mystical romance drama depressing flick and, and it's only 90 minutes long. And my thing is with certain movies is when they're short, sometimes they can feel so cluttered. And I was talking mm-hmm. about this a few weeks ago with the film drunk on an episode we did about Aaron Sorkin social network is two hours long and there's a lot going on in that movie, but it doesn't feel cluttered. This does not feel cluttered either, even though it's not a perfect movie, in my opinion, I think it's so stunning and so moving and so devastating, and really, I think two of the best performances from an Aronofsky film are in this film, and I think it's some of the best acting that both of these guys have done, and they've both done incredible work throughout the years. I really enjoyed The Fountain, and I would like to watch it again. I feel like it could go a lot higher for me rating-wise on a second watch. So those are my thoughts on that film. Are you going to pass, or is this not on your list?
1: Pass.
0: so excited to find out where it is for you so now going into our number four is what is your pick
1: my number four is the wrestler I so the wrestler was one of the first um Aronofsky movies I was like excited about coming into theaters because I was so young when most of his work was coming out that I didn't and it was like before people were like flocking to IMDb So this was like the first movie I was like, oh my God, there's a new Aronofsky movie in development. (laughs) Like, and um, my parents were actually really big fans of Mickey Rourke. So I remember actually going to see this movie with both of my parents. Um, But this movie, like we were talking about, is the perfect movie to bring back an actor who had been gone for so long. And I know that now his social media (laughs) presence is very um, questionable. But um, this performance is just some of the best acting I have ever seen. I just, and this movie, like we were talking about with Winona Ryder, is he did such a great job at, like, the story of the character also works for the actor and, like, his own redemption arc. And I... I just and it's so crazy. I don't care about wrestling. I could care less. I don't know anything about wrestling, but this movie I was like I love wrestling. I love it. Oh my god, this guy, this guy like it's so crazy <laughs> and Marissa Tomei in this movie is just so it's a breathtaking performance. I like I just I she is a movie star but also such an incredible person in this industry like I, I was blown away by her and I just think that everything about this movie is so physical but intimate at the same time and I have a really hard time with movies that are like like when they're sports centered and I just feel like they don't do a good job outside of the sports with Matthew Lubatique and Darren Aronofsky like really come together to create this like atmospheric where even when you're not in the ring you kind of feel like you're in the ring Which is like, I I, it's such a filmmaking feat. I don't know how they did it, but I do think that like him having such a partnership with his DP like creates this like, it's not like it's just this insane relationship of they anticipate what the other one needs and wants to put on screen. And I just am blown away by this movie. And the color work in this movie is next level. I like you're talking about with the fountain when I realize how. Like, obviously, this movie isn't that old, but when you realize the date of this movie, the way they visualize the colors, and like when there aren't bright colors on screen, like, I feel like sometimes you watch movies now and it's so jarring because it's all digital, but I feel like this movie really found a perfect way to utilize the colors in the movie. And the lighting in this movie is just so incredible. And I do think this movie is a very performance heavy movie which is why it's lower on my list but the screenplay is so great and I just think like movies about comebacks never really work for me because I feel like they fall into the same tropes Mm -hmm. but obviously Aronofsky can't just let you enjoy life and living and what you think you know you do not know in an Aronofsky movie so I that's why I have this in my top five and it's number four just because the performances are just so next level but I just I don't know I think about this movie a lot actually and I do think that like there are some movies that have come out after this about fictional like sports people or performers that should have taken notes from this movie because I feel like it does such a great job of being a character study but also having a bigger message on just any industry someone like failing and then coming back or whatnot and I just this is it's so great it's so good
0: massive pass massive pass (laughs) (laughs) massive massive pass so my number four my number four now we're getting into the film that a lot of people are very like hit or miss with We're talking about what I believe, and I could be so wrong with this. This is, in my opinion, maybe the most polarizing film of the past five to ten years. One of them, if not the most polarizing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not as inclined to looking at polarizing films, but Mother left quite an impact on pretty much everybody. You either like it or you don't like it. There's no in-between. You're not like, it was okay. You're either, "I, I liked it or I didn't like it. I mean, there's people that love it, and then there's people that absolutely despise it with a passion. And I get it. I understand. It's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not everyone's book. I get it. I totally understand. What I really loved about Mother was, first of all, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence has ever given a better performance. I think this is the best acting she's ever done. How she was nominated for this, I mean, I get it. It may not be the performance that the Academy would usually go for. But Jennifer Lawrence is an Academy darling. Prior to this, she had gotten four Oscar nominations. She had won an Oscar as well. And obviously, Aronofsky had gotten a lot of his actors nominated for Oscars, too. Ellen Bernstein got nominated. Obviously, Mickey work and Marissa Tomei. Natalie Portman won an Academy Award. So you would think like, oh, maybe Jennifer Lawrence could slide in. No, they just nominated Meryl Streep for giving them generic Meryl Streep performance in a very blessed Steven Spielberg historical drama. But anyway, I digress the messages that Aronofsky is conveying here are absolutely insane and you think you know where it's going but you really don't know where it's going and I really am angry truly angry with how they marketed this movie which is why I think a lot of people walked out of it very disappointed with what they got but also you know deep down a lot of people can't appreciate movies like this so you know it's it's either that or the other way around but i really do love the film i think it's very it's it's very eerie it takes its time to build up to what's gonna happen a lot of people did complain about how slow it was and everything but i appreciate that if this movie went fast i don't think it would have worked as well my thing is with certain movies is that a slower pace benefits the movie greatly Sometimes when a movie is really fast, it works out greatly. When it's slow, sometimes it doesn't. But this was paced perfectly, in my opinion. The imagery is insane. The colors used here are really insane. This was shot on sixteen millimeter. There's a lot of close-ups throughout this movie, which a lot of people had a problem with. I was a little thrown off with it when I first saw the movie, but rewatching it just today before we hopped onto this call, I definitely appreciated more. I think this is not a movie that you could fully formulate your opinion on just by one viewing. I feel like a second or maybe even a third viewing will definitely help you appreciate the movie more. Hopefully if it makes you dislike the movie more, I mean, it is what it is, but I think this movie's really underrated and very overlooked. It wasn't my favorite thing that came out in 2017. It was right outside my top 10, but I think right now it's like really close to climbing into the top 10 of that year for me. I think, Where it was originally was maybe like in the maybe like 1918 spot. I feel like now it's like maybe like 12 or 13. Like it's a lot higher than it was five years ago when I first saw the movie. And I mean, the performances. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Javier Bardem did a great job, too. I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she was very despicable in this movie ed harris was great dom hall gleason for his little time on screen was really really great and then i mean this isn't like listen if you haven't seen the movie at this point i'm sorry don't worry i won't spoil any major plot points but when (laughs) when Kristen wig came on screen i had no idea she was in this movie
1: oh my god um
0: and (laughs) i i was like wait who is that oh my god like, why is she in this? I was like, I good still for her. I don't know but why
1: she's in it. Like, how did come do I? To me? Like, I don't understand.
0: Like, if he wanted to cast an, an obscure pick and pick someone from, you know, that comes from a very primarily comedic background and everything, I wonder why he picked her. I, I would love to know why. It's I mean, so that's, not, that's not that's a bad thing. I think her little time when she shoots people in the head, that was awesome and everything, but it was weird. It caught me off guard. But yeah, this movie tackles so many different things. It's intense. The last 30 minutes are incredibly difficult to watch. And I, I love the movie, though. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's great. It's not my favorite Aronofsky film, obviously, but I do think a lot of people put this movie down a little too much, and some of their reasons are totally valid, but then other people like, it was slow, it was boring, it was too weird. Like, can you specify why you thought it was slow, (laughs) why you thought it was boring, why you thought it was weird? Don't just be like, it's slow, boring, and weird. Oh my god, I can't. There's blood on the floor, and there's people (laughs) wandering around, and the SWAT is coming in, and everyone's doing this, and Javier Bardem screams really loud. Like specify clearly, I swear. Some people are just so dumb and so oblivious to everything. So those are my thoughts on Mother. Are you going to pass or is this not on your list?
1: Obviously, I'm passing. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now going into our number threes, what do you got?
1: This is where a lot of people continue to be mad at me for my ranking of his movies, but I have Black Swan at number three. I obviously i love this movie so much i it's insanely beautiful performances and the costume work is just next level and i love the score so much i think he did such a great job at utilizing the music from the ballet but also integrating an original score into it but i just this movie I I feel like people got tired of it because it became like a Tumblr girl, like kind of movie, but it is the perfect balance of being a horror movie, but not a typical horror movie. It is, it uses every like, not jump scare, but just like jumpy moment, like the fingernail, The second Natalie Portman walking past her, like, in the best ways possible. Everything is so subtly done, which is so crazy with Darren Aronofsky. This is why I think this movie broke into the Oscars, because it is subtly Darren Aronofsky. It is not Mother. It is not The Fountain. It is not Requiem for a Dream. It is a subtle, like, movie that you could kind of recommend to anyone, but they're not going to be like super put off, but it's still like uncomfortable for some people. So I think it did such a good job, but it's also, it doesn't lose his flair. It is still his movie. He never loses control of it being a studio movie, of it being like an Oscar bait movie. Like it is very much still a weird movie about ballerinas, but like that you would have a hard time explaining to some people but it's also still accessible so I think that's why I really broke through but Natalie Portman in this movie is if uh, there are some people who talk poorly about this performance and I don't understand I'll I'll never understand she is so incredible in this movie I she's one of my favorite working actors I think this movie kind of put her on a different path whereas I feel like before she was kind of struggling post star wars ending with like she did closer which is obviously beautiful but i feel like she was doing like all these like comedy movies and then she kind of got stuck into them a little bit after this but then she finally got her way out and gave us things like vox lux but like i she's so great in this movie and she has chemistry with everyone she shares a screen with in this movie like no matter who it is she has this incredible screen presence with them and I think that's something that a lot of like awarded performances at the Oscars kind of struggle with is that they're solely their performance. Like their performance is singly what stands out in a movie. But this movie, she not only stands out, but she compliments whoever she's staring the screen with so much. Like, like seeing her with Winona Ryder is insane. Seeing her with Barbara, absolutely next level. Their oh my god, relationship is certifiably insane it makes me uncomfortable so much so to watch it this the scene where she's slamming the door I just I can't even talk about it and then Vincent Castle in this movie is just perfect I love him in this movie I love their chemistry because it is so uncomfortable so unprofessional but I cannot look away I her and Mila Kunis have this incredible back and forth And then um, using Sebastian Stan is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in a movie. But I love every second he's there. I kind of wish he would work with him again in the leading sense. Right. Because I feel like he has shown he can do more weird things. And I feel like he could really shine with a director like this that clearly very early on believed in him maybe he watched Gossip Girl and was like I want Carter Basing or something (laughs) but like I I love him in this movie um but I just feel like and then the club scene where it cuts like very subtly to the makeup is just I it's so good and it's insane that it's so subtle but it's so Aronofsky and I'm still waiting on a coffee table book of this movie I don't understand where it is but i just there's like not a moment that you're bored there's not a moment that feel like no one can argue about the pacing of this movie it is perfect it transports you into the mind of nina so much so that i felt crazy after watching it i it's the perfect example of a fever dream it feels real but also you're questioning yourself the whole time just like nina and I don't think anyone else could have ever made this movie. It's certifiably insane. And I love him every second for making Academy Voters not only watch this, but award it something. It is, I don't even know what to say to him. If I, if I I wouldn't know what to say to him, that he did this movie. I don't understand.
0: Okay, we have the same five films in our list. So that means I'm going to pass on this one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so my number three is Requiem for a Dream. I had seen parts of this like years ago and I might've watched the whole thing like early, late in high school or early on in college. But when I rewatched this yesterday, I think this was really the first time I watched it in its entirety, like not scattered, like just from beginning to end, like without stopping. And yeah, you brought up very beautifully about how like movies tackle addiction and they're kind of on the nose, like they're so like, you know where it's going to go. But this is obviously on a whole other level because it's Aaron Aronofsky. And he puts you in the minds of all of these characters. Like some of these characters may have less screen time than others, but you care about each and every one of them. And I, I'm not a big Jared Leto fan either. I I just don't. I don't think he's a bad actor by any means. Like when he's in something really good, he really knocks it out of the park. But he's one of those um, performers that does irk me. But he was very good in this. Marlon Wayans, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by how good he was in this. And I agree with you. I would love to see him, you know, work with another filmmaker along the lines of Aronofsky. But also just seeing him in a film that isn't like, you know, like, listen, White Chicks is a great comedy. I don't care what anyone says. It's hilarious and everything. But when you watch him in a film like this or even something like On the Rocks from Sofia Coppola, Mm -hmm. it was cool to see him in something that's completely out of his wheelhouse. And this is something that's so different. He provided a good amount of comedy, comedic relief to this character. But he also was it was a terrifying performance. And I think one of the mo- most terrifying shots that I've seen in recent memory of a movie is when he's running away from the car and it's like on his face and then it's shaking and everything. Like, that's incredible. I get a little antsy with handheld camera movement nowadays. If it works and adds a lot to what's going on, then great. And Aaron Aronofsky, Ar- Taryn Aronofsky, he uses handheld camera work as like a character of its own And there's a lot of handheld camera movement throughout this movie and Jennifer Connelly. Oh my God. I mean, what an unbelievable performance from her. And I don't know if she gave my favorite performance in the film. That's really tough. It's really between her and Ellen Bernstein who, Oh my God, I I will admit on camera on air that I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. I've seen the exorcist of course, Uh, I just watched Alice doesn't live here anymore recently. And that was an incredible movie, but her work here is insane. And it got an Oscar nomination and she disappears into this role. It's something that honestly, I never would have pictured her doing, especially a lot later in her career. I think she was in her late sixties when she made this movie and It's a really transformative performance. I mean, everyone here gives those kinds of performances, but she in particular, like, I I never, I I don't know if I could look at her the same way again whenever I watch a movie with her, because I'm just going to be thinking about this performance in the back of my head the whole time. She disappears into the role, all these characters disappear into their roles. It's incredible. The editing, like you said, is very frenetic, it moves very quickly. All the edits that they do, the sound effects whenever they do drugs, whenever they pop pills, like very hyperactive editing that could also throw people off. But it works really well because of how it's presented. Uh, The choice of music was really good. That TV show that she kept watching. Oh, my God. I literally could not. It's so (laughs) terrifying. I couldn't I couldn't stop shaking when it kept coming on. I'm like, all right, enough of this already, please. I don't want to be any more (laughs) uncomfortable than I already am. And the ending, oh my God, the ending, I, I I, can't, I can't get that out of my head. The, the movie was incredible. It's definitely not going to be rewatched by me probably for another <laughs> 10 years. I don't think I could ever watch this again, but it's a masterclass of it's acting, it's writing, it's directing, it's editing, just everything about this movie is pretty perfect to me. And I kind of wish that I didn't watch it now. I wish I had watched it sooner, but I am glad that I watched it when I did because I'm happy to say now I've seen it. And it is an incredibly hard film to watch. It's definitely going to go down as one of the hardest films that I've ever watched, but it's so good. It's so good. And it's because of what Darren brings to the film. I absolutely love Requiem for a Dream so much.
1: It could be exploitive in the hands of another filmmaker. and I 100%. This movie, it's obviously so hard to watch. And like you're saying, we're not going to rewatch it anytime soon. (laughs) But like, he just, it's so crazy to say he has a delicate hand with this because it's obviously not a delicate movie. But he walks this very delicate line of being exploitive versus just showing you what is going on for each of these characters with such vulgar situations. Yeah. And it's
0: kind of subtle, too, when you think about I mean, yeah, it's very hard to watch, but it's like really subtle. A lot of filmmakers that would tackle a subject like drug addiction would be so in your face and they would make it so bombastic and explosive and everything. But Darren adds a lot of subtlety to it, while also not shying away from the Mm -hmm. intensity of what it brings to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number three.
0: Yeah, I, I for a while it was number two. Uh, like, like 12 hours ago, it was number two, but I'm like, no, it's not. So now number two, what do you got?
1: My number two is The Fountain. I, I saw this movie like right after it came out. I got it from Blockbuster, but I am not a huge Hugh Jackman fan. As an actor, I just want to say I've met him and he is the nicest person alive, but he's just not my favorite actor but him in this movie is my second favorite performance from him I think he is absolutely just on another level in this movie but everything about this movie should not work like the special effects like you were saying should not hold up should not work and sure if you watch it now it's not the best special effects right but it's crazy <laughs> how much it does hold up and how It utilized using special effects in a way that like they were going to be everything you were seeing on screen but at the same time it wasn't going to feel like you were watching your green screen they really engulf you and making you feel like you're in this place with him and I just I, I love a movie that like transports you into another mindset and obviously this movie is the most depressing movie I think I've ever seen <laughs> That is it's not about like a real life situation like, obvi- like I just it's incredible what he does here and it's, it's one of those movies I've never physically felt so deflated after like I feel like he rips out any rug you have underneath you at any yep. moment like any glimmer of hope he's like absolutely not not (laughs) happy and I cannot imagine what this put on the actors I know he was romantically involved with Rachel Vice at the time Mm -hmm. so I can't imagine what they took home with them like after that I don't understand what they did every day but like I it's incredible the work they put out and just this movie uses the best music and every second on the screen is so worthy of being on screen like there is not a moment wasted in this movie and that runtime just flies by and I actually watched this like a very long time ago I haven't rewatched it in so long we watched it it was like one of our second quarantine watches and my husband was so mad he was like this is the most depressing movie I've ever seen why would you do this to me But then like weeks later, he was like, I'm still thinking about it. And I was like, that's what he does to you. That's what this man, Darren Aronofsky, does to people. But I love this movie. And it is just so fascinating to look at grief and dealing with cancer like this. And I don't think this is what anyone else would do to look at this kind of subject matter. But I j- and I think it's that's why it's one of the best movies I've ever seen about like someone in your life going through cancer and going through cancer treatment and like coming to terms with the outlook of that because this movie is just never what you could imagine but at the same time it's like exactly what I imagine him working on but that's why I love it so much and I haven't like I literally haven't rewatched this in years but I I I love it so much it's so important to me. And it was very important into my, like, taste in films. It really, like, stuck with me. And I compare a lot of films to it structurally and how they use special effects. I just think he does such a good job at, like, because I'm not a big fan of movies that rely on special effects. But if there's a movie like this where they incorporate them in such a beautiful way, then I am all for it. I, don't, I think it's not about how much special effects you have, but just how you utilize them. It is fine to have movies like this where there are tons of special effects going on, but utilizing them in such a beautiful way is how to do it. And this movie is just perfect for that. And this movie is also just like, insanely original I don't know what was going on to make this movie but I, I like it I clearly <laughs> like it but yeah my number two is The Falcon
0: yeah it's it's so good it's so so good and oh god just I, I won't be able to stop thinking about it for quite some time I'm still like just thinking about how it ended in my head and just, it just hurts thinking about it <laughs> so my number two is Black Swan um, I, the 2010 Oscars, uh, that was the first Oscars that I really started following the Oscars. And I think I stand by saying that that's one of the best years in film and at least my lifetime. Um, like we you, you, had that, the social network, toy story three inception, like so many great films, and even a bunch of great films that weren't even nominated for Oscars that year. But Black Swan. It's like you said, it's very, it, it's not something that's going to appeal to everybody, but it definitely feels a little more accessible than most of Aaron Aronofsky's films, because you have this character study of this dancer who just wants to be the lead of Swan Link. And she's trying so hard to get in those, those ballet shoes and everything. But Obviously there's a lot of psychological stuff going on as well that makes it kind of steer people away, but they might be so engrossed with following this character and Natalie Portman's performance is really on a whole other level. It's so incredible that a performance like this even won an Academy Awards because nowadays you look at the performances that they nominate and I mean, this isn't entirely a horror movie. It's like a psychological horror thriller, but they never nominate performances like this anymore. They never do, which is so disappointing because I think what Natalie does so beautifully here is that she conveys so much. She's another actor again, someone to you know Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weiss. when she cries, you want to cry with her. <laughs> like you were scared for Natalie Portman. She's one of the best performers working today. I agree wholeheartedly with you, and even though she obviously had a big name for herself, you know with Star Wars and everything, right after Star Wars ended for her, she hadn't really done a lot of big stuff, especially where she was the lead. I mean yeah, she mm-hmm. had like co-lead or support roles like yeah she did closer like you brought up she did Garin stayed she did brothers with toby mcguire and jake gyllenhaal and a few other films that i can't think of on top of my head but when aaron arofsky cast her to be the lead in this i mean it i don't know if this is the best act and she's done it's really tough it really goes back and forth between this and jackie for me but I really think that this is one of the best performances of the past 15 years. It's one of the best wins of any acting category of the 2010s, hands down. Like, she swept the whole season. She did so great, like, great campaign work. Fox Searchlight did such a great job backing this film up. And it was a really revolutionary performance, a very transformative performance. And yeah, there's a lot of sequences here that just disgust me greatly i mean the the fingernail fingernail sequence i mean that's that's just oh my god i i don't know how they did that but they did so well i don't want to know i don't want to know either i'm sure however they did it that well they knocked it out of the park they did what they had to do and yeah everyone around her is so incredible the back and forth that she has with everybody is great vincent cassell i mean he's so like seductive and he's very like passionate about everything but he's also very he's a kind of a terrifying man it's like you don't want to mess with this guy and you don't want to ruin this guy's vision but you see some hope in him where he's like you know you're really good at what you could do and i could see you being at the top you just need to give it your all but then you know the sequence where they're in the studio and then you know he seduces her and he's like See, that was me seducing you. It's supposed to be the other way around. Like that That sequence. It's so good. It's so good. Barbara freaking Hershey. Oh, my God. This was the first time I had ever seen her in anything. I I saw this movie right around the time it came out. And I had never seen her in anything. And for a long time, I had never wanted to watch anything with her. (laughs) She terrified (laughs) the shit out of me in this film she freaked me out and I think that was the intention and I've seen a few movies with her since um, but she just knocked it out of the park here she was so good and then you have Mila Kunis who definitely the best acting she's ever done
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know a lot of people were probably thrown off when this movie came out because obviously she was so known for doing comedy she had done that 70 show obviously family guy and a few other support and comedic performances. But this was the year where she decided to do a little more different role. She had done The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington, and then she did this. And she was nominated for a Globe, and I think she got a SAC nomination as well. Yeah. And I think that she should have gotten in for an Oscar nomination. It would have been really cool to see Oscar nominee Mila Kunis. It would have been awesome to see that. She would have been a first-time nominee. Obviously, she wouldn't have won the Oscar, but just the nomination would have been so deserving. And one of the biggest Oscar upsets, in my opinion, of the 2010s, not nominating her is really insane. I also think think the screenplay here is incredible. And I don't know how that was not nominated for anything. Really, other than Natalie, this film had no chance of winning anything. Like, the cinematography is absolutely immaculate. And the editing is so good, too. And the score, oh, my God, the score. And yeah, Winona Ryder, I... Oh my god. Like you know she had been gone for years. She had taken a break from acting for many years after what had happened. She had appeared in Star Trek, the JJ Abrams movie, then she was in this and I mean I another another performance that made me terrified to watch any of her other work. <laughs> and I remember for a long time, I had forgot she was in this movie. I rewatched, I've only seen this film like three times. And uh, I remember the second time I had watched it was probably right before stranger things season two. So I had forgotten that she was in this movie because I was like, so used to her going, where is my son? (laughs) Can you fix my boy? (laughs) And and then I just see her in this. (laughs) You fucking whore. You fucking son. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, what I I can't picture, it, but she was incredible,
1: She's
0: incredible so performance, so good. Everything about this movie is great. I love the final sequence, the last line in the movie, incredible. I have so many theories of how it ended. I don't want to get into them on air, but I adore Black Swan, and I actually want to pull up a quote that Darren said about shooting this on sixteen millimeter as opposed to shooting on thirty five millimeter or shooting digitally. He had said, I like Super 16 because the cameras are really light, really movable. Also for the wrestler, it was a money saving thing. The film stocks on 35 millimeter would become so glossy that they would get close to what people are doing on video. I wanted to go back to the grainy feel of the wrestler. Like with wrestling, ballet is shot in wide shot with two shots on the side and no one really brought the camera into the ring or for us onto the stage and into the practice room. I really wanted the camera to dance, but I was nervous about shooting the psychological thriller horror film with a handheld camera. I couldn't think of another example where they did that. Steady cams are very different than handhelds because handhelds give you that ferrite feel. I was concerned that if that would affect the suspense, but after a while, I said, screw it, let's go for it. I mean, I just right. love the way he puts... His imagery together. I also, just love like, the amount. Ima- I, I just cool. love it.
1: How cool is it? He was like, I'm going to make a movie about a wrestler and then a ballerina.
0: Oh my God. Incredible.
1: Like, just what?
0: There, there was a I, point where he was like, This is kind of like a companion piece to the wrestler. And honestly, yeah. it is a pretty good double feature if you watch it the is. wrestler and this back to back. Like, it's. And these are it's... definitely like, g- not to go into the wrestler, which we'll obviously talk about in a few minutes, but. I like when he does these character study film, like very heavy on character study. I love Darren's style and I love and he's one of those filmmakers that if he wants to do style over substance, I think he could knock it out of the park. Some filmmakers can't, unfortunately. But what I like about this film is that even though it's very stylized, it's still a character study. Like you're following Nina. You're trying to get a feel of who she is and what she's going through. And it's a beautiful arc. It's a beautiful character arc, and honestly, when she yelled at her mom, "I'm the Swan Queen," and I just started fist bumping in the air, it was oh my god! So I was good. like, so... "Get
1: her, get her, finally!" Oh, let's go, also, let's shout go! Out, shout out to this movie. Um, the choreographer is now Natalie Portman's husband. Brent's husband,
0: that's right. And
1: he <laughs> has his directorial debut coming out this year. It's an adaptation of Carmen.
0: Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, I'll definitely have to check uh, out he's a that. very
1: famous choreographer like in New York and L.A., but he took time off and directed a movie. So that's
0: that's awesome. I love that. Black Swan is incredible. Just everything about it is so good. And if you guys out there haven't seen it, please do yourself a favor and check it out. Like, please. As
1: soon as possible.
0: As soon as possible. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to talk about our favorite films from Darren Aronofsky. So. Kenzie, why is Mother Exclamation Point your favorite Darren Aronofsky film of all time?
1: First off, I had the best first viewing experience of this movie possible. I saw it at the ArcLight Dome before it closed, and they had thousands of candles everywhere. They had the printed picture of Javier Bardem that the guy has in the suitcase all over the theater. It was crazy. But um, I will say there's a scene with a baby, and right after it ended, this guy stood up and yelled, fuck, and left the theater. Um, there's only maybe 30 minutes left after that. I don't know why you would leave, um, but insane moment of my movie going experience. But I love everything about this movie. Not only is it so, so original, I don't know what he was doing. He said he wrote this entire screenplay in 24 hours, sitting on his floor in his underwear in the kitchen. But like, what was he on? Like, I don't understand. He was
0: pissed. He was pissed. Like, like, I could tell you that. He was pissed. Yeah,
1: I, and I do want to say, like a lot of people hate this movie, obviously it's very divisive, but he isn't someone who just says something about the environment doesn't mean it. Like the work he does on other projects about the environment and about animals and what we can do to prevent further pollution is extraordinary and he doesn't have to do any of it but that's what he chooses to do instead of making movies I guess but this isn't just like a one-off thing for him he really does care but I feel like you can feel that every ounce of this movie And there's this like Reddit thread that was like, Darren Aronofsky going to Paramount. I want to adapt a book. And they're like, great, what book? And he's like, the Bible. And they're like, what part? He's like, the whole thing. And I think that is definitely what he did. Because like, I don't understand how he got them to do this, but he, it's, It's one of those movies, I feel like if you don't tell someone what it's about, that they're slowly going to start getting it and they're going to be very angry with you once they do understand that it's just the Bible. (laughs) But um, I just think this movie is full of insane performances and the casting is just absolutely insane. You talk about an actor not working with the same people over and over again. He has Ed Harris, Javier Bardem, Michelle Pfeiffer like Domhnall and his brother who I didn't even know acted and then Jennifer Lawrence and I am just blown away and then Kristen Wiig pops up I don't understand how that I don't understand but it is so funny (laughs) because it plays into the psychological toll of like you never know what's coming next like it's before everything starts going really crazy with the guns and the troops and but it's also just it transports you into this insane place and I actually have a coffee table book about this movie called Making the Fever Dream because it is such the whole he says there's one section that's the fever dream it is the whole movie Darren I don't know what you're talking about I was just so blown away I saw this movie like twice the first week it came out I was so just I I've never been so transfixed I love it so much I think it has so much to say not only about what we're doing to the earth but just how we are as consumers that everything is replaceable we can just move on to the next thing so quickly and I think he does such a great job at presenting this information but he in the movie I just want to clarify I mean in the movie I'm not counting all his press where he explains the movie and no I'm talking about the movie specifically. (laughs) He does such a great job at leaving it open for you to interpret for yourself and how you feel what the movie is about, because it is very much just the Bible adapted, but it is about mother earth. It is about consumerism. It is about so many things. And I feel like every time I watch it, I take something new away from it. And that's very important to me with a movie and There are some movies I can watch and that's it and I never really like get anything new out of them but this movie every rewatch I get something new and it's some of the best acting I've ever seen and the way this movie had a score and he took it out because he thought it was scarier without the score is one of the greatest things that's ever been done. I love that this movie doesn't have a score. It is you just feel like you're in that house with them and the sound work in this movie is incredible and i can't imagine the panic of everyone that worked on the sound in this movie being told there's not going to be a score and we're relying heavily on the sound
0: exquisite because work exquisite sound design work
1: it's inc- it's so incredible i wish i could see it in dolby somehow like oh my I god i <laughs> can't imagine I want to I just it's so good and I know he is so annoying talking about this movie and that's why he's literally disappeared for five years is because people got so angry at him and honestly like the press star he kind of deserved it like he was obnoxious but I get it I feel like he put every ounce of his soul into making this movie and that is why it is so good to me and Jennifer Lawrence she's never been better she'll probably never be better I can't imagine moving on from this. You know, she said that she had a little tent she would make watching the Kardashians and the Real Housewives while making this. And I completely understand. She needed to, like, turn off whatever she was doing. And it's incredible work. And it's really crazy, the chemistry she has with Javier Bardem, because... Mm -hmm plays into their relationship so well and I don't know how they pulled off that dynamic but I'm obsessed with it and her chemistry with Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie (laughs) if someone could bottle it and sell it I would buy it I I am obsessed and more Michelle Pfeiffer performances like this please oh absolutely please. please also I'm sorry it's been five years Darren what was the yellow stuff in the bottle he said he'll take that to his grave. No. Tell me now. <laughs> tell me now. <laughs> I need to know. But I, I love this movie and I love the house. It's beautiful. I Stunning. Just, I love this movie so much. And I'm such a big fan of movies that take place in one location. So.
0: Oh, me too. I, lo- I love movies like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I knew I was right. I knew I was correct.
1: It's honestly, it's my favorite movie of all time as of last year. So, is it really? Yeah. I, it knocked out The Shining. So,
0: wow. Oh
1: it's really funny because Kubrick is my favorite filmmaker of all time,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: Aronofsky is my favorite working filmmaker. So, yes, that was a funny knockout. Like, wow. Good
0: job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I wonder how people react when you tell them they're like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Oh, Mother.
1: Well, they always think it's the Bang Jun Ho movie, and I'm like, okay, like I do love that movie, but it's not that one. Like, there's too many movies named Mother. I don't know what you to do. Too many. With.
0: So, my favorite Darren Aronofsky film is <laughs> a lot less weirder <laughs> than your number one. <laughs> my number one's the Wrestler. Uh, go like you. I'm not. I was a big sports guy grow- when I was a kid. I loved watching sports, but wrestling was never my thing. I had a lot of friends that were obsessed with wrestling, but it just never did anything for me. And I remember when I watched this movie for the first time, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, am I going to like this movie having not seen anything related to wrestling? And that that's my thing with a lot of sports movies is that there are so many of them that are able to make you appreciate it, even if you're not too well-rounded with the sport or the team or the people that they are tackling. And obviously, Randy the Ram Robinson is not a real person, but this is definitely, to me, and this is just my opinion, this is definitely the most accessible Aronofsky film to where, like, really anyone could like it, where, like, there are people I know that absolutely despise pretty much all of his movies but they love this one they love this one and I mean it's a beautiful character study and Mickey Rourke's performance is one of the best that I have ever seen how he did not win the Oscar for this is absolutely baffling to me like it's Sean Penn and Milk he was good in it but that to me was not Oscar winning performance and he already had an Oscar at that point Mickey Rourke did something so out of left field for him in this movie that you forgot that this is the same Mickey Rourke that made it big in the eighties with all the movies that he had done when he was younger. He did something that you never would have thought he would have done. He disappeared into the character and it's a really stunning performance. At one point, Nicolas Cage was going to be playing this character but Darren Aronofsky was like, I want to do it with Mickey work. And Nicolas Cage was very understanding of it. You know, they they they've been friends for many years. And I'm really glad I'm sure Nicolas Cage would have done an unbelievable job. But Nicolas Cage was pretty much a high profile name at that point. Still like Nicolas Cage, even though his filmography has definitely gone down since like maybe the mid 2000s where he's doing these very obscure Movies and everything, but he's still like a household name like everyone still knows who Nicolas Cage is Mickey Rourke for a long time wasn't really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then Darren Aronofsky comes to him with this project and he disappears to the role. And it's a beautiful performance. And Marissa Tomei, absolutely gorgeous, but such a tender performance, you know, her character from what you learn about her, like you don't have to know everything about these characters but you get enough to realize who they are, where they're coming from and why they're feeling the way they feel. And there's a sequence where he goes to the, the strip club that she works at and she was like, you're just a customer to me and that's it. You're nothing more, nothing less. So, And that was that was a great sequence. That was a beautiful sequence. And then her last sequence in the movie, just like, you know i'm here i'm here don't do this i'm here and throughout this movie i mean he's his health is really deteriorating very quickly and it's a very scary thing to watch and one of his last lines in the movie where he's like i don't feel love i the the place where i get broken the most is out is out in the real world but when i'm out there in the rain that's where I feel loved and everything. And that just made me cry <laughs> I'm like
1: shit. What the
0: fuck? It's so it's so good. And I want to shout out ever Rachel Wood for her little time on screen. She very so go-
1: good in this movie. She's
0: so good. So, so good. Their back and forth was really, really great. She didn't have a lot of screen time, but the screen time that she did have was very compelling, especially when they're walking around, the boardwalk and they're just talking and he's like, you know, there was a point where I was trying to forget you because of how I treated you when you were younger. And again, just like, again, like Aaron, (laughs) Darren knows how to get people to cry so well to the point where you want to cry with them. And it's just on their face. It doesn't cut away. It's so beautiful and so moving and so tender. It's a very excellent performance. And this movie has a very special place for me because it is shot and set here in Jersey. And when you come across a lot of movies that are set in New Jersey, they don't show on location. And one thing that I find really awesome about this movie is that a lot of the places that they filmed Are only under thirty minutes away from my hometown, which is incredible. It's it's so exciting. It's so cool. Like they're like, oh Rawway, oh Linden, oh Haslin. I'm like, I know where all those towns are. So it's just so cool. Like obviously, it wouldn't matter to anyone that doesn't live in New Jersey, but for someone like me who has lived in Jersey their whole life, I mean, it's so exciting because you don't really come across many movies that are shot and set here. And it's so interesting that he decided to set this movie here of all places. I mean, I don't think the location would have mattered, but I just think it's so cool that he was able to do that here. And the choice of music here, all the great eighties rock okay. songs, you know, rat and then ended with sweet child of mine. And then the Bruce Springsteen song in the credits. Oh my God. Phenomenal. Just truly incredible. And the last sequence of this movie is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I'll have to ask you off camera what you think of it, because I'm sure there are people out there (laughs) listening that haven't seen this movie, which is really upsetting because it's a brilliant showcase for everybody involved. And I have a really great story to tell about this movie. So around this time, around the time this movie was being filmed, so like 13, 14, 15 years ago, my dad was going back to school to be an x-ray technician and he was working at a few hospitals throughout the state. The hospital that Randy was at when he had his first heart attack, my dad was working at that hospital at the time that this movie was being filmed. But, and this is so sad. And he's so disappointed because he was a massive Mickey Rourke fan growing up. The one day that they shot at the hospital, my dad wasn't working that day. So he missed a chance to be in, in the same place as Mickey Rourke. Some of my dad's all all time favorite movies are with Mickey Rourke diner and the Pope of Pope of Greenwich village. And he missed the opportunity to be in the same place. That
1: is so disappointing. As, I
0: know. It, every time my dad tells me about it, it just, it just breaks my heart. I'm like, oh, father, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's That's just, so uh,
1: sad.
0: It, it is, but it is a really cool story that he was working at that hospital while they were making this movie. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine, like, oh, going to work one day. Oh, Mickey works here making a movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to play myself, or do, or can I just be a fan? <laughs> like, what what do <laughs> really. I do? Do I have to play my role of X-ray tech, or do I have to um just pretend to be someone else? I, yeah, when you um when you asked to come on to talk about Aronofsky, I'm like, oh my god, I can finally tell the story on air because I think it's a That's really so cool story. Funny. Personally, it's really so, cool. It is really cool,
1: especially and, like when you live somewhere where they don't film or there's not like a lot of famous people. Like people having like opportunities like that is so funny because i feel like everyone always misses them like you're like it's always like the one day you're off or like the and, one day you're like running errands or something. and they've like been filming never like that and,
0: and they've been filming so much stuff here in jersey they're filming a walk of death spinoff here right now yeah. way like 20 minutes away from my house they're doing a whole bunch of stuff and <laughs> not to go off topic but this is a cool story i have to tell too so not many people know this but i'm gonna tell it on air So I had an opportunity to work on West Side Story when they were shooting it here in New Jersey. But unfortunately, and this pisses me off so much still to this day, I was going to go on it for one weekend. And then a family emergency came up. And I missed when they shot the America sequence. I was supposed to be on set for that that weekend when they shot that incredible jaw-droppingly amazing sequence. And I missed it. And I was so that bummed
1: so awful I'm so sorry
0: <laughs> it's in the past I'm able to look past it yeah I, I, I part of me was like so ticked off when I was going into that movie because I remember I asked my friend who was working on that set that same weekend and they were like oh my god they shot the America sequence and I'm like what <laughs> why couldn't they do that when I why why would they do that of course they have to do with the weekend I wasn't there I was I was that's ticked so off disappointing it is it is so disappointing but the wrestler is not disappointing it's not a truly all. incredible it's a truly incredible film Mickey Rourke like game changing performance the deli sequences make me so uncomfortable too like where he's talking to all the deli people like in that and honestly like I never worked in a grocery store I've had friends that worked in grocery stores before but like I could just imagine what that's like you know like He's working and someone was like, oh, could I have a half a potato salad? Oh, no, that's too much. Oh, no, that's too little. Oh, no, that's too much. It's like, oh, my God.
1: Like Like, that frustration.
0: Oh, my God. I just can't. I can't even imagine. And he was talking about how he improvised a lot with the customers and everything, which is really cool. Imagine you're going into a grocery store and oh, there's Mickey Rourke serving me my uh, my deli meats like
1: (laughs) so crazy.
0: I, I can't even imagine. I just can't even imagine. I just love this movie so much. It's so incredible. And it breaks my heart every time I think about it. It's a really, truly beautiful film. Mickey works should have won the Oscar. Hell, if Marissa Tomei got the Oscar too, I would have been very happy with that as well. This movie is absolutely phenomenal. And if you guys have not watched The Wrestler, please do yourself a favor and check it out. It is my favorite Darren Aronofsky film of all time. Love that love it love it love it so before we talk about the two films that didn't make our list and what and talking about our anticipation for his next movie let's recap our list so kenzie what is your list from five to one
1: i have requiem for a dream at five the wrestler at four black swan at three the fountain at two and mother at number one
0: And to recap my list, coming in at number five is The Fountain. Number four is Mother. Number three is Requiem for a Dream. Number two, Black Swan. And number one, The Wrestler. So that is it with our list, guys. So now let's talk about the two films that we did not mention, Noah and Pi. So, Kenzie, what are your thoughts on these two films? Are you a fan of them? Do you think they're not that good? Where do you stand on these two films?
1: So I actually really do love Pi, but I love it more from like a technical standpoint, Whereas the rest of his movies, I love from a story and the way they, like, engulf me. But I feel like Pi is just, like, on a technical level, really well made. And I do like the story. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I also feel like Pi was, like, the movie that, like, guys in college would be like, have you seen this movie? Like, they, it was, like, oh. their oh my way God, yeah. of being, like, I'm so cool And that kind of, like, has stopped me from really loving it. Yeah, if you went to film
0: school in the 90s, this is probably (laughs) what everyone would have talked about.
1: Yeah. Did you
0: see (laughs) Pi?
1: Yeah. And I... It's so weird because the copy I have is actually from Blockbuster. Like, I got it (laughs) when Blockbuster went out of business. But, like, I just... I don't ever think about it. And it's weird because the rest of his movies I do think about, including Noah... Because I just love that he scammed a studio into making this huge, big-budget movie. And they were probably, like, a biblical movie with Russell Crowe. Amazing. And then it is so weird. It is so dark. And it is not what anyone probably thought was going to happen, including myself. Even though I knew Darren would not just do, like, a typical biblical adaptation. Mm-hmm. I, it's not... Obviously not in my top five, but I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. I think it's really cool what he did. I think it is so bizarre, and only someone like him could do it. And I'm impressed that he got a studio to give him more money after making Noah. Um, but I think it's a testament to like what kind of filmmaker he is. But I just admire that he did go swing for a blockbuster, but he was like, it's still gonna be a Darrenerski movie. Yeah. What do you I- think about them?
0: Yeah, I just watched Pi for the first time a few days ago in preparation for this. And it's definitely my least favorite film that he's done. I do think that on a technical level, it's pretty great for a debut. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the story just really didn't click with me. Also, like, I, I, I... Math was always my best subject in school, but I'll be honest, this movie just made me hate math. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie about math. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care about math. So why am I watching this movie about math? But it is a really well done debut. And you could tell that's his first movie. Obviously, he's getting his foot in and everything. Like you could you could tell that it there's hints of him in the in that movie, but he's obviously like not fully there yet. I really think the the air the Aronofsky that we know really didn't kick in until Requiem for a dream. I think that's when it kicked in, obviously probably because he had a, a bit of a bigger budget and everything. And obviously these household actors, but pie was good. And Noah was pretty good. In my opinion. Um, I definitely liked it more when I saw it, when it came out, uh, I just rewatched it um, a while ago in preparation for this. I had only seen it once. Uh, before uh, this rewatch. And yeah, I mean, I think personally that you couldn't have cast anyone better to play Noah than Russell Crowe. I think Russell Crowe just has that presence to where he fits this role perfectly. And Jennifer Connelly being here was really exciting. It was her reuniting with Aronofsky. It was her reuniting with Russell Crowe, which was really cool because they were both in The Beautiful Mind together, which she won an Academy Award for. I also think he should have won the Academy Award for it, but that's a whole different discussion for another time. (laughs) And I think it's just so cool that we got this very different – studio epic because a lot of the blockbusters that we get nowadays from high profile studios are not like this at all. So I think it's incredible that he got this budget to tell this story the way that he wanted to. And it's so different from your usual studio release that a lot of people were thrown off guard. And yeah, I knew going into it that this would not be your typical Noah Noah's Ark movie. It would be so like different from anything you would expect Because it's him making it. And I think he did a great job. I think visually it's unbelievable. I think the whole cast did a great job. I want to shout out Emma Watson. She was really good in this. I think for her role on screen. Because I think other than. I hadn't seen the Blaine rain at that point. But I had seen Perks being a wallflower. And she was so good in that. But I was still used to just seeing her as Hermione. I wasn't used to Mm -hmm. seeing her really as anyone else but i thought she did a great job here and also i thought it was cool that her and logan lerman worked together again after i thought that was great um and yeah like all the other actors way ray winstone he was terrified anthony hopkins was great for his little time on screen i just wish that we would get more films like this from high profile studios because we don't get these kinds of movies anymore it's like every once in a while we will get something like this but I like getting blockbusters that make you think that aren't Mm -hmm. like very formulaic, like, yeah, there was enough here to like make you immerse like as a popcorn flick because of the scope. But the story was so different from what you would anticipate, even if you think you know where it's going. Again, you don't know where it's going. And I want to shout out one scene in this movie that really just made me gulp when I watched it there's a sequence with Logan Lerman and a girl running through the forest. She falls and there's a whole stampede and people stomp on her, step on her. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I remember when I saw that in theaters and my audience was packed. I I think I went with my dad to go see it. And (laughs) I hadn't heard that loud of a gasp in the movie theater. And I think at that point in forever, Because like people were like, no, because he was like, I want to find someone. I need someone in my life. Emma Watson was with his brother and everything. I want you, blah, blah, blah. And then he finds somebody and then she's just gone in five seconds. And it's like, oh, this guy can't catch a break. Poor poor Logan Lerman. He can't catch a break. It's just so literally. But I, I really like Noah. And, you know, also, it's just crazy to me that like Paramount distributed mother because You wouldn't think that a high-profile studio would release a film like that. The same Warner Brothers was behind The Fountain. And that was obviously so different from your typical studio project. But it's just cool when studios take risks and they do movies like Noah and Mother and The Fountain. And it's so exciting that, you know, hopefully this will get. More studios be like, all right, let's let these filmmakers do what they want to do. It may not be what we usually release, but it's something that's what they want to do. It's something they're passionate yeah. about. So I respect that about these studios so much. And let's talk about the whale. Let's talk about our excitement for it. So I remember when they announced that this uh, his next film was a movie called The Whale, and Brendan Fraser was in it. And I'm like, okay okay i'm interested and then i read the premise and i'm like oh okay so it's gonna be depressing okay um i mean i shouldn't have expected anything else but i'm like oh, can he just do one happy movie for once just one happy movie i'm sure he could pull it off too i'm sure he could do a great job with it but it's like damn like everything he does is so depressing but it sounds incredible obviously we just, at the time of this recording we just had the first image drop A week ago, it's going to be shown at the Venice Film Festival where it's having its world premiere. It's also going to be shown at the Toronto Film Festival. Hopefully, by the time this episode is out, they say, oh, it's come to New York. Hope to God, because I want to see this with a crowd of film fans. I don't want to see this with just some basic generic movie audience that's going to be like, huh, this is dumb. This is boring. I want mummy Four, not the whale. <laughs> like, like get the fuck out of here. Seriously, just go get get the fuck out. The whale, obviously, we don't have a trailer yet. We just have that one image of him. It looks like it's going to be a very beautiful performance. And just the whole story of how, you know, Brandon Fraser was gone for so long, and now he's making this comeback like, you know, he did... Uh, that Soderbergh movie last year, No and Move. Uh, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be, he's on Dune Patrol, which is popular. He's going to be in Batgirl. He's going to do Kills of the Flower Moon. But this is the first time he's leading the film. And, you know, we were talking like, you know, 10 plus years. I don't remember the last time he headlined the movie and especially one of this caliber. I mean, this is obviously mm-hmm. something that he's never done before. He's talked about how this is very different from anything he's ever worked on. And he's excited for the world to see it. And I just can't even imagine what it was like making this film. It's based on a a very acclaimed play. The playwright is actually writing this script. And A24 is distributing, which is cool. This is Aronofsky's first time working with A24. And I'm really excited to see what it does. And also Sadie Sink, I love her so much. I'm excited to see what she brings to this. I think she's going to crush it. She's had a great few years. Um, obviously, Stranger Things, the recent season, she was phenomenal on. She was very good in that Taylor Swift uh, short film. And I think she's going to crush it here. I'm so excited for The Whale. Probably not as excited as you are. So talk about your anticipation for The Whale.
1: So I'm actually really nervous about it just because he, Darren, is not the best at letting movies live like he tries to explain them so much and the subject matter is very delicate um but i'm excited to see it i have missed him so much like i kind of like started gravitating towards a new filmmaker because i was like where is darren like five years (laughs) a bit darren come back
0: please darren
1: please (laughs) But um, I, when it was announced that it was going to be Brendan Fraser, I was just over the moon. Like, I grew up seeing The Mummy in theaters. Blast from the past, I was obsessed with. Um,
0: Looney Tunes you know. back in action, anybody? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, he was just such a big part of growing up for me in a sense that he was in, because obviously I'm 30, so growing up, it was, like, the big superhero movie was spider-man with toby mcguire but mm-hmm. i was like in fourth grade when no fifth grade when that came out so like blockbusters used to not be what they are now and he was like at the forefront of almost every kind of blockbuster george of the jungle the mummy like he was everywhere and it was so deserving because he was not only a great actor but he was great in the press and doing all those shows super likable guy
0: yeah super likable
1: He was just like a movie star and it was just just gutted me when that GQ profile came out
0: of him
1: discussing that he came forward with sexual allegations against a man in the studio system and they essentially just blackballed him out of the industry. Mm -hmm. And I am just so obsessed that like Darren Aronofsky was the filmmaker that was like, listen, I have this perfect role for you. And I'm, it's going to be a beautiful somehow.
0: comeback story. It's yes. already a beautiful comeback story. But like, I mean, I just can't wait to hopefully see him, you know, make it all the way to the Oscars. I'm, I I'm, really
1: ho- hope so. Like, I hope so, too. <laughs> not only just because I love seeing people like never really be a part of that conversation, but be a part of the industry for so long. And then they make their way to the Oscars later in life. It is so cool. It is. Like his career is so fascinating and I don't know who I want to do the actors on actors with him, but I can't wait. You know who I would love Michelle Yeoh to do actors on actors with him because I feel like they've both been in the industry for so long and their stories Mm -hmm. are so different, but they're still in this conversation years later. It's yeah. Especially,
0: especially, especially this year in particular.
1: So that would be really cool. But I, That video of him where someone tells him, like, do you know how the internet's reacting to you being cast in all these projects? And he gets really emotional. It is so sweet. And it is just, I love stories like that. But specifically with people that are not only so talented, but just, he seems so kind and I want everything in the world for him. So, him being in an Aronofsky movie and then a Scorsese movie, like, are, after being in a Soderbergh movie, like, are you kidding? This is the life I always wanted for him and couldn't happen to a better person. But Absolutely. I just have to shout out Hong Chow, who is going to be supporting in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her. She has given us incredible performances in TV and movies over the last few years. Her and Watchmen is just like, terrifying but so great
0: don't hate me don't hate me you
1: haven't watched it
0: <laughs> i haven't seen it
1: perfect perfect miniseries don't ever make another season please it's so good it's perfect i it's haven't amazing.
0: been able to watch it i don't know what happened i was Yaya, so busy regina
1: oh my god there's it's just full jeremy, of jeremy. Jean. it's full of some of the best performances you've seen from people you love. That was like one of my first experiences with um, Yaya and Hung Chow. Like they're just incredible in that show. But um, Hung Chow, even in Downsizing, a movie I didn't really like, she's so incredible in that movie. I hate that
0: movie so much. I hate
1: it. But But she
0: was good in it.
1: Yeah, she just um, always delivers. And from what I understand, she has a great role. So I'm really curious if she is a supporting actress that sneaks in. Just because I don't... Outside of Stranger Things, I don't really know if there's, like, support for Sadie thing. But I guess we'll see how they play it up because I'm sure they'll take the fandom of Stranger Things far, but I'm not sure if that'll turn out. But I do... I just... I'm so excited for everyone in this movie and just to see Darren in a scarf again hopefully at the new york film festival i wonder what he'll wear to venice he can't wear a scarf but i'm sure he'll wear it at tiff but like a i just you. i i love him and he i will always be seated for his movies as long as he makes them and i hope i hope he doesn't disappear for five years but i do like you were saying appreciate that he doesn't just crank them out no offense, because I love Steven Soderbergh. He's actually one of my favorite filmmakers. But mm-hmm. I he, I don't love him in the same way I love someone like Darren or Robert Eggers or anyone else that I really care for. Um, right. Because I like my filmmakers like Sofia Coppola. Give me a few years off. Come back. Give me a beautiful film. Take another few years off. So yeah. I just... I love filmmakers that let films stew and take their time. Mm And I love Darren for that. Five years was too long.
0: It was too long.
1: I feel like it'll be worth it.
0: I think so too. I absolutely agree with you. So Kenzie, thank you so much for coming on to my show to talk to me about Darren Aronofsky. I'm so happy I got to have you on and gush with you about why he really is a truly wonderful filmmaker. So really, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. It was so fun.
0: Absolutely. So where could the people find you online?
1: Um, you can follow me everywhere at Kinsvenunu, And then you can follow my Oscar website os- at Oscars underscore central. If you're listening and you have at Oscars central, please let it go. You've never tweeted. Please let it go. Um, but yeah, at Oscars underscore central. And then our website's is
0: All links for that will be in the description below. You guys could follow this show on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to this show wherever you're listening to it. It's available on all podcasting platforms. We have a YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to that. And you guys could follow me on any social media platform, simply at Brian Suffield. So guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Film Fragments. And we'll see you guys for the very next episode. Take care, everybody.